Hello, everybody, and welcome to another E5 podcast. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Paul Meenan, and today with me, my brother from our other mother is with me. Introduce yourself. Hello, mate. It's David, Sparking Ninja. And today we have, we're going to introduce you to someone new, um, mm-hmm. although he's not new to us, um, and he's not new to anyone who's on social media in the electrical industry. Would you like to introduce yourself, good sir? Yeah, good evening. Uh, my name's Chris Beanie, and I'm from Juice Electrical Services in East Sussex. Mm. Juice Electrical Services. You're the one with the nice orange logo on Twitter, aren't you? That's it, the bright orange one, the happy one. Yes, the happy orange logo. So for anyone who doesn't know him, he, you're on Twitter. What, what social media are you on, just so that if people want to follow you, they can? Um, yeah, mainly Twitter it is, to be quite honest with you. I've tried um, Facebook, but I don't find it that Toxic. that engaging and that, that yeah, that, that productive. And uh, yeah. it's quite hard, hard work to um, to steer what the information you want to put on it. So Twitter is nice, blunt, sharp and out the door. Sometimes too blunt. Um, so exactly. Those, yes. <laughs> it's one of those it's one of those logos that are, it's just like familiar, you know, that big orange juice. You know, it's one that's been there as long as I can remember. Mm. So it's nice to actually, you know, finally speak to you and, you know. Yeah, person. no, that's, yeah. It's we did good... actually meet him at an Alex. <laughs> Probably, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you. I remember oh, you. I'm good. sorry. Yes. Um, I always well, remember which which one was it? Was it Sandown or something? Oh, no, it was long before that. It was long before, before that, that commentary. Yes. Well over a year ago. Was I even there? Yes. I think you were there somewhere in spirit. I've been there I, don't think I, have, I have got the original... E5 badge. Original E5 badge. There you go. Yes, look. Yes. Wow. The, it's absolutely. still in its still in its <laughs> packet. Say, it's still in its packet. <laughs> oh, that was money well spent then. Yeah. <laughs> Save it look. as a collector's item eventually, maybe. Yeah, no, day. I've got the other. The other one is on is on my corporate wear. <laughs> awesome. Um, right. So um, for those um, who want to, and this is my view, if you want to know how to do Twitter professionally, I would suggest you follow Electrical Juice because mm. it's one of those few accounts that actually conducts itself really well. You use Twitter really, really well. You're not, I've never in all the time known you to be negative, spiteful, bitter, aggressive, angry. You've been positive, succinct, to the point. Um, so, yeah, a good one to follow, to be honest with you. And I'd be yeah. lying if I didn't say that you and the way you've behaved on Twitter has actually influenced the way I behave on Twitter. Really? Blimey, that's that's a that's a compliment. Thank you very much. No, um, it is. It, it, it's, and it's a compliment well deserved. Um, henceforth, why I wanted you on the podcast so that we can actually talk about this and I can flatter you to your face over cyber world. <laughs> um, so before we before we get into anything else, um, you've introduced yourself, Chris, um, Juice Electrical. Tell us, tell us a little bit about your background, your story, what you do, sector you work in, the whole lot. Go for it. Right. OK. Um, Juice Electrical Services is a relatively new kid on the block for want of a better description um it was something that i was kind of forced forced to do chose to do um yeah through through a couple of incidents that i actually had with a, another electrician um but going going well back i actually um upon finishing school i uh, secondary school i didn't actually even have a summer holiday um, I just went straight in as an apprentice on the old British Rail, as it was back then. So I joined British Rail and I took on a four-year apprenticeship, I believe. 
back I then. I have to be really careful what I say because he's <laughs> ex-railway and he's yeah. done apprenticeships, so there'll be no witty puns or put-downs of British or network rally in any way. Anyway, carry on. Sorry, Chris. Yes, so, um, and I managed to stay with them um, up until... 90, I think I was there 91 to 97, if my memory serves me correct. Um, so, yes, I joined the British Railways Board and I was on the S&T department, which is signal, Signalling and Telecoms Department. Um, I know it well. So that's where I, that's where I um, ended up straight from school, did a uh, apprenticeship with them and got my ONC in electrical and electronic engineering. Wow. Um, and then from that, you was able to go to various depots and have interviews. And I ended up being a trackside cable jointer. Wow. Um, so basically from Victoria down to Brighton, uh, across to Chichester and over to Hastings. So, so I was actually an S&T uh, engineer grade one from Paddington all the way out to Windsor and Slough. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, because when I came out of my apprenticeship, I wanted to understand the rest of the railway. And I took this job doing signalling in the S&T department based out of Ealing Depot. And um, it was very strange, different world. It is a completely different world. world. It is a completely different world. And that is one thing that I... um... (sighs) I I regret leaving the railway to a degree. Um, But there was various instances that made me think about leaving. I completed my apprenticeship and I had some good training on the on the railway. But upon leaving the railway, what I say, stepping out into the real world, it was, like you say, a really daunting process. It was it was I can only liken it to coming out of the army. It was like, Mm. oh, this is the real world. Um, what do people actually want doing? I, I've got no skills in the real world. Um, I can work on a railway line, but who's got one of those? <laughs> so yeah, it was it was a bit daunting to say the least. Was was the um was the apprenticeship um was that just as a college or was it kind of like customised into the rail industry? Uh, yeah, I attended uh, Croydon Croydon College for Croydon a three college. year yeah for a three year period. Um, and they actually done a, um, I think it was with BTEC back then. Right. Yeah. Um, and I got, yeah. And basically they did tailor um, some of the uh, course modules to suit what we right. were doing. Yeah. yeah. But we also had to obviously take part in, in in-house training. Mm-hmm. So I used, a part of my training process was, um, I went on lodge to places like Crewe and Derby, mm. and our courses were residential and three, four weeks long. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we were actually taught live side and all sorts of stuff. So I picked up some really, really good skills. And um, yeah, health so, and safety was paramount. So once, you, um, once you've come to the end of your time with rail, you've decided to move on. I mean, how did you determine what you were capable to do immediately or if you would, you know, did you think that you could take on anything or you, you've already mentioned it's a bit like leaving the army. How did you decide to reapproach other areas of this industry or, you, you know, to be quite honest, um, I was lost. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was at, oh, yeah, I was actually quite okay. lost with it all. Um, I, I, I'd, I'd served my apprenticeship under the wing of a, of a, a really good engineer Mm. um who who sadly succumbed to um, illness and um 
it kind of messed the department up to a degree and there was a bit of a power struggle and one thing or another. And um, I found I found my tools and everything in a skip. Oh, wow. um, so it was kind of like, mm, OK, yeah, it's all getting a bit... There's the yeah, tetchy, tetchy. <laughs> yes, there's the usual yeah. um, apprentice jokes. There's the usual apprentice uh, 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 initiation ceremonies. All fun, all banter, all to be accepted in the in the, the decade that was the the early nineties. Yeah, um, and it was acceptable and a and a, and, a, uh, and a and a known thing. But it started to get a little yeah. bit silly. Uh, so. Actually, I, th I think it's worth adding. I mean. Without going into the world of banter, because we see banter thrown around a lot today, but you say there in the world of the 90s, I think today's, a lot of today's um, apprentices and younger people probably are just not as succumbed to that in modern no. society and that kind of behaviour. And but I think, I you know, I think, I think that comes down to social skills as well, though. I agree. I agree completely. It's, you know, it's not really down to the industry to to change, but I think the world's changed. Absolutely, I think, I think a lot of that is down there. So, I mean, this 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 rings true with what I've seen before in in world of training. I mean, I've seen guys go through their apprenticeships, get their GIB cards, but all they've ever done is street lighting, and they can quite easily become institutionalized in a certain area of industry, a certain unique niche, and those guys become expert at that niche. But you know, the question really is, how does the industry or what kind of support mechanisms are there to allow people to then spread out into other areas of work? You know, do they gamble? Do they take a punt? Or, you know, could do you feel that there was uh, opportunities for you to then seek further support to move out and branch out into other industries? Or did you have to try to learn and gain some more experience as you went into other areas of the, you know, outside of rail? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. There, there was an opportunity to take a what I consider to have been a bit of a backward step. Mm -hmm. um, I actually went fitting intruder alarms for a company. So um, I was actually doing security and fire alarms, but I actually was on the security side more so um, well before wireless security. So it, everything was hardwired. Mm. So I applied my skills to that. And to be quite honest, I found it a little bit not so challenging. Mm. Not that, so probably means it was just, that probably means it was a sensible decision though because it allowed you to gradually step into another area that's right i didn't yeah. i didn't go full steam and pick up and go into something that i couldn't manage couldn't handle mm. and mm. i had to obviously um i had to uh retrain my skills because on the railway i could have banter with colleagues yeah on the security i was actually working in customers houses they weren't my customers mm. but it was a, it's a whole different approach big difference um and a, and a whole different support mechanism and you are the face of the company yeah. um, rather than That's working massive. within the company. So uh, I, I, I'd like to think it, it taught me some other skills. So right. every, I've gained from a backward step, I suppose. Mm. And um, I took what I could from it and obviously have brought it forward into all the other. So mm. can, can I just add to that? Cause I had a very similar, so I, I completed my time, served my time, left the company I did my apprenticeship with, but I found um, I was thirsty and hungry to understand why we did what we did as an electrical contractor on railway, and I wanted to understand the railway. So I wanted to know the track, the signaling, everything, all the interconnectivity, because I thought it would just make me more 
consciously competent in I didn't know these terms at the time but looking back it was because I was scared I wanted to know more and I went and did S&T for a year and I remember the interview the guy said we need a qualified electrician to do all the install work and I was like great I can do that and in return we'll teach you signaling and I went and you probably remember these courses um, BS1 BS2 basic signaling one basic signaling two if you're going to work on signaling you need to hold those um, additional training which yes, I went to yeah. Bristol um, for I ended up doing a TPWS installation, which was this new technology they were trialing. And I ended up doing all the install and pretty much nothing else. And to be honest with you, I got bored. The minute I understood how a signaling circuit worked and the length of runs and how they managed it all with trackside relays and all the rest of it, I was just like, there really isn't much else to this. Oh, my God. And I got into a pickle where I was just in conflict with my manager at the time who refused to d develop me as he promised. So I offered to pay for the training. He refused. I offered to take annual leave. He then refused that. And I said, well, I'll pay for it and take annual leave. And he still refused. So I was like, <laughs> you're just carrot dangling. You're carrot yeah, dangling. Yeah. So I ended up then taking the biggest leap of my career, which was then I took a job going to do central heating wiring in British Gas. And I've <laughs> never done it. And I tell you now, what you just said resonated because the first time I did the training up in Yorkshire for four weeks, shadowing someone. The first time I walked in someone's house, it was different banter, different behaviours, different expectations. And yeah, okay, I did domestic the first year of my apprenticeship, but when you're fully qualified and you're thinking, hang on, in a few weeks, I'll be out leading this and doing this, pay attention, smarten up. It's very scary. And I, I developed a hell of a healthy fear and respect for domestic electrical installations, which for someone who's mainly industrial, not a lot of industrial guys do. And I think a lot of industrial guys should have a healthy respect for it because in my personal view, um, if you just do industrial and you go to domestic, you may think it's simple. It's not. There's a lot of complexities. And I think it's the same with domestic going into industrial. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the, obviously, you can relate having been on the railway yourself. It's um, it's a lot more coarse, a lot more agricultural. Um, and then you've got to go into somebody's home where there's actually carpets and coving and pictures and decorative furniture and fixtures yeah. and fittings that, that you, you're, you know, on the railway, you're used to lumping heavy duty stuff about. It's a completely yep. different <laughs> ball it game is. altogether. You, well, you can spend three hours before you really get started in someone's yeah. houses moving all their furniture because yeah. you've said, well, I need this doing and this doing. And then you turn me go, right, I've got to empty your boiler cupboard. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to lift your floorboards up. Oh, you're still living in the house. You're still wandering around. I've got to work around you politely without yeah. swearing at you. And Yeah, it's difficult. And also you had the 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 you had manpower or sorry people power you had other colleagues with you mm -hmm. to all muck in and do the same job whereas on a domestic especially on the alarms you was lucky as you, if he was actually even paired up with anybody um so, you was out out on your own and you was doing it on your own that's a valid point because a lot of people criticize the railway including myself actually for the volume of labor that they actually do have available to them to do work is mind-blowing i mean i've seen uh I once watched, I remember, I'll never forget it, I was trackside. I was actually just walking outside of Paddington, and there were some chaps on the end of a platform putting up a new mirror, and there must have been eight of them just <laughs> yeah. on the platform putting up a mirror. And I didn't realise at the time that one of the blokes was the um, site per, uh, controller of site safety, or what we know as the cost now, or the person in charge of works. And then you had someone who dealt with possessions, and then there was a supervisor, and then two guys doing the work, and... It, the safety policies and procedures on rail are, when they're used and when they're implemented, incredibly robust. 
absolutely um, yeah and, and this is why you can spend 20 grand putting up a light fitting on the railway and that's a true story by the way because i have seen 20 grand put a light up but just because of the complexities of it it actually costs that much in time and labor yeah and you there's not a lot to show for it but as you say the the, the time and the effort and the manpower and the energy that's put into it is yep. is can be excessive for yep. those people that don't actually understand the protocols that have got to be gone through yeah well it's it's people always complain um I, one of the biggest complaints I've ever had from people who complain about train delays or possessions or stuff overrunning, and they go, oh, it's disgraceful, the trains are always late. Um, by the way, I just want to say these are not the views of C2C, my employer. These are mine, <laughs> based on my experience. Um, nice. But they always complain the trains are late and stuff, and you think, well, we're, we're you're trying to replace and work on Victorian infrastructure, and we only get like four hours a night. And this stuff needs to be maintained, inspected, repaired, replaced. And you can't do that by waving a magic wand. And let's be honest about it, we're bloody good at it now. Because yeah. you go at Christmas, they'll replace an entire section, all the points, the crossings. They'll produce miracles replacing the most complex junctions in like 48 hours flat. And that's because they map every five or ten minutes. And they know what every piece of labour is doing. And they, it's incredible if you schedule the work, it can be done really well. But it's really complex. It's really difficult. Oh, absolutely! And when I was when I was a trainee and 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 doing further years after my training, obviously we didn't even have there was no such thing as mobile phones. We were running around in Sherpa vans and yes. um, jumping van and tell someone. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it was a case of that we had to actually use the the, the the trackside phones to communicate and so on and so forth. We couldn't ask Doctor Google for help. We were there. The manuals, the books, everything came mm. out and. Yeah, it was it was it's hard a, graft at times. Definitely double-edged sword that though with the Google because I think a lot of people try the work who aren't really technically competent at all, but they allow Google to give them that extra bit of confidence and that yeah. extra bit of yeah. I'm, I'm constantly trying to just you know. Are you telling identify. me everything? Everything you see on Google isn't 100 percent true and real. Depends who's saying it, mate. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, I've, I'm constantly finding like people like even coming into my, my my little communities. I'm constantly trying to identify their posts, what they're trying to get from the group. It's like, you know, um, I've, so I'm on, I'm on your website at the moment. It looks like you're you're doing a lot of um, domestic services now. Domestic work is that? Yeah, do, the best most, way to mostly now? domestic. Um, the website is actually there's a secondary website being done now because that's a bit dated. Um, see, there's quite, quite there's quite a bit of information on safety and security, so I can see your background in there coming into that as yep, well. Yeah. Um, and we look after the uh, local independent cinema. So we we're, we do reactive call-outs for the local cinema, um, as well as maintenance and EICRs and keeping them all nice and compliant, as it were, um, and safe. So, so you've moved over. You've got you've kind of settled into domestic, but a bit of commercial here or there, where you find yeah, the we're, we're, that will benefit we're, from you. We are moving more towards um, commercial. Um, yeah. uh, I've just actually, um, oh, last week actually, just uh, picked up a, a maintenance and a new works um, contract for a park home site. So, um, yeah. Is that mobile homes, is it? Or? Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. Static, static yeah. mobile homes. So, yeah. it's a, a national. I used, national... I, used to, I used to maintain one of those in um, the, the Hurley area, which is a little village near Maidenhead. Right. Yeah. 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 So we it's uh it's a national national company, but we've got the local mm. local site, which is it good. Was, it was quite fun actually, because I mean I don't know what mobile home, what, what the sites you would be doing. They're probably better than what than what I had. But what we had was basically 
buried aluminium cables, which were all breaking down, which we had to keep extending and joining. And every single caravan or mobile home, I'm supposed to call it pitch, had 20 amps only. So yes. you'd, you'd have a circle or a, <laughs> ring of, a ring of these units, and then there'd be a, a, an RCD for individual protection, an MCB for individual protection. There'd be this 1.5 or 2.5 mil armor going under the ground up to the pitch. But then the mobile home will come with 25 meter tails, and you've got to make this magic happen of connecting yeah. the 1.5 armor to the 25 mil tails. And you've got to finish off the EIC, which is part completed from where they made the thing. And the thing's got it's got three or four socket circuits. It's got electric cooker. It's got they want power out in the shed for their washing machines. It's a home from home. Yeah. But they've only got 20 mm. amps. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, everything, everything's got um, is concentric twin on this site, as far yep. as I can tell so far. Um, but some of the some of the homes are quite dated, um, and they're going for a bit of a replace of new ones. You yes, yes. They smell terrific. Yeah, it's all electric. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, that's so that's got some interesting times ahead on on that one. Um, as I say, we we do we look after the cinema, which is quite a prestigious one to to have on the books. Um, I've done a bit of work for the Samaritans, their local offices. Um, and we've refurbed uh, an ironmongers with um, new LED lighting panels because they had a suspended ceiling and everything fitted. So, and to be fair, coming back to the railway again, I think that's it's more um, more appealing for me. Not appealing for everyone, but it's more appealing for me because it, uh, for me it's um, it feels more productive. Yeah, doing the doing doing the domestic, you can. You can do a whole day's work and look around and go, oh, I've not actually really achieved over a lot because it's very finicky and there's a lot of finesse at times if to a do it properly. Of, yeah, a, lot, a lot of domestic is management of the work because you're doing it all yeah. yourself and you can't sometimes with domestic stand back and actually be in awe of your work, except no. for maybe outside garden work or lighting work. Everything's buried, everything's hidden. Whilst in the commercial site, you can actually look at the the great execution of your of your wiring systems and your bends and all that stuff that's it yeah and i get yeah. a lot of as weird as it seems i get a lot of pleasure of dealing with steel wired armored um yeah. very it's, yeah I, I, it's I, just... I have found that i constantly bring into the domestic sector um the best practice from industrial so my old house in my loft my upstairs lighting circuit it was all wired in conduit all my lights were wired on um, uh, rock roses yeah, well, you've put so conduit I, to your sockets in the wall, haven't you? I have. I've put two yeah. 20 mil conduits in the wall for my sockets. Yep. Yep. The, ne the next electrician is going to love me <laughs> in 20, 30 years' time. Is going to go, what a touch this bloke was. Yep. Um, there's more than enough sockets in each room, but I'm about to tear my ceiling down, funnily enough, in my hallway so that I can wire my lights. And what I'm thinking of doing is actually wiring, because I've seen it on some of the Twitter guys. What they're now doing is they're basically getting like a Sorel box and they're using fixed base connectors and they're wiring all of their three plate lighting system to and then just putting stuffing glands in the top and just running a twin and earth to each point. Yeah. And then it makes it all accessible, maintainable, really, really simple. And I love that. So yeah. I think I'm going to wire my domestic lighting into a Sorel box underneath my board somewhere and then just have it all run out that way. So that'd be an interesting one. And allow allow for extra cores as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Extra yeah. extra space. Well, I have That's been it. asked if I'm going to run Cat Five or Cat Six for my lighting, um, and my response is over my dead body. <laughs> <laughs> Twin and Earth thermo setting is enough for me. To be honest with you, that's that's about it. Um, I have considered emergency lighting as well in my house, um, but then I thought, nah. <clears throat> so I mean, Chris, are you finding the domestic uh, sector 
okay you know you're able to do a good job able to be competitive in your areas um, yeah this this obviously crops up time and time again yeah um i i i after after finishing with the um security company i actually went and worked for a power tools and fixings company for a while because um it's just a new avenue um and I started on the shop floor and I actually ended up um, managing it and running it. Um, but that enabled me to get a, get a handle on accounting. Mm. And they used um, Sage and I now actually use QuickBooks. But I was able to look at things like GP, profit and loss. Um, and I'm very, I'm very um, a stickler for that. Um, and I, going back to your question, I mm. know how much it costs me per day to go to work mm. so if you look at the number of working days there are between the 1st of april and the 31st of march excluding weekends and bank holidays i think it's two 256 or something days yep. available i know what my sort of set costs are going to be so i know what my you know mm. my memberships and so on and so forth yeah, and yeah. currently and currently it's costing me 42 pounds and some odd pence to go to work every day currently that's an so, interesting well, way to break that down i like that so I like I have, that. Yeah, yeah so i have to go out at a price where mm. i can cover those costs and that's just my running costs and then i actually have to have to, have to look at my wages and everything yeah. else um so i think i think lee ward and karen boom have done something similar in it where they've been arguing with uh, potential clients and well, yeah, the clients definitely. have always said well what's your best price and that seems expensive but when you actually look at the cost breakdown it's not because they have to pay their professional fees, their uh, company fees, their insurances, their fan insurances, their other uh, public liability insurances. And, and before they've picked up their toolbox in the morning, they're out of pocket. That's, a, that's it. Yeah. 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 I've got obviously waste carriers license. I've got a skip. Yeah. Um, yeah professional indemnity insurance. Mm. Um, member of the of the of the competent person scheme. Um, yeah. uh, you know, I've got certification, software fees, everything. It um, all so, adds up. Yeah, it all adds up. It all so, adds so, up, and so somebody comes, has to pay for that. So when it comes to domestic, it's just like any other sector. Um, if the work is going to hit your proper, you know, your point, then fine. If not, then no. That's it. I don't. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I do have a. I do have a scalable set of charges. Mm. So if it's only half a day's work, then it's obviously it's obviously per hour. It's more than a full day's work. Uh, if you give me three days work, then that's slightly less again, the hourly yep. rate. And then I've got a weekly thing. So yeah, that's a bit know, how I, that's a bit like how I do training, for example, because I also think about you know if my travel and logistics, and if I stay absolutely away, yeah those things. And it's one know, invoice and one payment yeah, at the end of the exactly. day. So if I've got one customer and I'm working for them for three weeks, that's mm. a lot easier than me doing thirty jobs over ten days, three day, you know three jobs a day, and that's a lot of effort that then I've got to sit in the office creating certs and everything else, and all the time that I'm doing that, I'm not actually earning. Yeah, and I think fundamentally, a lot of people that push the price down push the price down they still got to earn their money and i think a lot of the times the things that is sacrificed is like you say that that time in the office that administration that that's where the quality gets lost yeah with, with a lot of work we see reports we see paperwork that's just basically been, been scribed on the back of a fact packet 
Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's great. The um, only thing I do, did, I do, I do kind of struggle a little bit with is the EICRs. Um, I bet. Uh, I, I don't do them for the price that I would like to do them for. Yeah. Um, because I wouldn't get any at all. Um, but I do them. I'm not the cheapest at doing them, but it does feel to me as if EICRs are going the same way as pat testing and everything else. It's I just, just, <laughs> just I've said that so thought. many times. It is yeah. new patch testing. Yeah, it, it shouldn't be though because that makes it so much more. It makes it so dangerous and makes installation so vulnerable. It's criminal. But it's yeah. the same with pat testing. We have a disrespect for pat testing because we abuse pat testing. We'll have a can disrespect I, for EICRs. In can the I just make well. a, a public announcement? If anyone ever comes near any site or railway or company I ever work for, and you try and offer me some cheap pat testing EICR shit. God help you. I will Liam Neeson your ass. Anyway, moving on. Sorry. <laughs> well, it usually takes, I, I usually allow a day for doing uh, an EICR, and then I've probably got a good two to three hours of writing up the hmm. the, 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 I, the report. And I, I can't, I can't really do them. I can't really do them because I can't compete, but I'm, I'm like that. I want a, I want a day. And then if I get enough for the client to then give them a report, I will. If not, I'd recommend more time, but I give them full control over that. I'm, 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 I suppose I'm scared, for want of a better word. It's my name that's going on the bottom mm. of the document, and I, I, but I, I want to have a full yeah. and uh, an appreciative understanding of what I'm actually testing and what is the condition of that because I'm signing it off. Mm. Well, that's the bottom line. When I was testing, I used to when I used to open the boards, I wouldn't complete a circuit until I could map it i wanted to be able to map it in my head and know every point on that installation and be able to visualize it so that when i was doing my test i could visualize how that circuit was functioning and i was 100 happy with the readings used to piss my employers off saying rotten but i didn't care yeah but the thing the thing is i mean I, I i always look at trying to find ways to educate the client properly with this kind of thing and um i've just i just gave uh my old man a hand um down at a, a race course down um in ascot and it's been tested since built three times now. Uh, the last one, yeah, just a load of nonsense. Um, and so the guys, the guys had my old map. We used to, we used to run the contract there before it was knocked down and rebuilt. And so they know our name. You know, the Watts name is, yeah. You know, uh, get them back, get them back. This don't work. Problems, get them back. And my old man is always there at the moment. He doesn't want to be necessarily. He's trying to do training, but he's basically trying to keep everything happy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he's been asked to do the ICR, and he said, well, I don't know how it's going to take, and I'm not going to charge you per circuit, but I'll give you a day rate, and we'll see yeah. how we go. Yeah. But he then spoke to the guy. He said, well, here's the thing, and here's our advice, and here's a recommendation. And he'll go, why wasn't that picked up before? Don't know. You know, so we're looking in void spaces. We're following the wiring system. We're finding wiring systems that are still held up with string, <laughs> you know, from yeah. when they were part complete. They've, that's been remedied. But, you know, this I've has been put this has been put into service. This has run the, the biggest race events in the calendar. In, in all uh, fairness, Dave, and it's I, got, have, it's, I have found sub-main armoureds that were um, tied up with a bit of rope when they were being pulled in and left because nobody bothered going back to cleat them. So it's yeah, it's not it's just... True. I've seen courses. saddles. You know, you know when you put up, when you put up conduits and saddles, you put the one screw in, then you take the yeah, screw yeah. out, you snap it, it, and then you snap it, but you yeah. forget yeah. to put that screw in. And so we have conduit runs where there's just one screw per saddle. <laughs> that's lazy. That's no QA. That's yeah. laziness. 
yeah. but that's the thing. So yeah. we, but it's we out. Both... It's the it's the out of out of mm. sight, out of mind mentality. And at it the is, end of the day, it, it, it works. That's the that seems to be a common phrase. Oh well, but it works. It doesn't matter what's going on behind the scenes. Well, I'm afraid it does, and that's yeah. and this, that's this... why I cost what this, i cost <laughs> yeah this brings me full circle and i've said this to paul so many times we need to try to find ways to educate clients because the industry doesn't do enough to educate the clients no our no. industry doesn't enough do enough to educate the clients it'll just say you make sure you use our registered persons but that doesn't actually say and you should expect this from them yeah in in my defense you know? I, I am actually a client now and i do laugh when people come up to me and go oh, i'm registered with this body and i just go ha, ha, ha. <laughs> what does that actually mean in 2020 yeah. nothing at mean? all no it doesn't sadly <laughs> it does shock quite a few people as well when i actually sit i've sat in design meetings and rooms with 50 people and somebody's gone oh yeah but the contractor uses this and they're registered with this and i just go Sorry, um, where did you get your propaganda from? Do I actually, <laughs> you honestly think I believe all that? Do you actually know anything about my industry? And then they just sit there and go, oh, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but in fairness, in a recent meeting, somebody went, yeah, I've listened to his podcast. Shut up. <laughs> it's, sorry. Sit yeah. back down again. <laughs> I, again, I, I work with companies developing rule procedures, and I'll wait to turn that page about competency, selection of contractors, and I'll be looking for those mentions of a JIB or an NIC or similar and I'll be going right how do I step backwards and reverse engineer this how do I actually find out their decision making processes how do I tell them what to do uh, and you can't do that in five minutes no. Um, no. and that sometimes is the biggest is the biggest is the biggest challenge actually getting education to management to actually make effective competence decisions sure. uh Paul your experience with assessing competence aren't you you know it yeah, is yeah. but, but it's a hard thing to do Let's be perfectly frank. So um, the, the two occasions in my career where I've assessed competence was when I was in an ICQS for EDF and I was employing field engineers and I developed a, uh, a, a, a knowledge and practical assessment which um, no one actually passed. It was so hard. Um, and my boss gave me a bollocking. He said, listen, NIC area engineers couldn't pass that assessment. I've still got it somewhere, actually. It was very thorough. Um, yeah. Probably too thorough, but it, uh, that's the the standard. I want them to at least try and attain it. Um, looking back, it was, it was a terrible mistake. And also behavioural competence when it comes to professional registration. Because when you get professionally registered, I don't go out and assess conduit bending. I assess people's ability mm. to understand a framework of behaviours. Yeah. And the thing is, there are so many different ways to assess competence. I, I did some work with a food manufacturer in one of their biscuit factories. They had a nasty incident, and then there was an incident investigation, and I got brought in as a consultant to kind of help with that problem. And when it comes to how do we determine competence, I said, well, 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 I'm just a consultant. Let me come into your place of work and speak with your experts. So I spoke with the guys who actually have been working at this factory for 20 years. And I said to them, right, someone's coming in fresh out of college. What do they have to do? What do they have to be able to do? And they came up with a 120 question written uh, test paper. Wow. And they still, this is, this is about, oh, this is, this is 10 years ago. They're still using it today as part of their induction process for new contractors in their system. 120 questions in an induction. Mm. You know? Wow. Uh, and I've said to them, it's when incredible. I go back and we do a three-year audit of their OV rules, I go, does that still work? And they go, yeah, it's fine. Mm -hmm. You know? They've decided they've broken many a couple of them down. As well. top ups. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, but if the if the if the bar's set high enough, yep. then that, for, for me that gives me a, a a greater target. There's no satisfaction in passing something that's 
difficult. Everybody, everybody else can pass, mm-hmm. and it's just on is on a on a sort of lame level, for want of a better terminology. Um, you know, I'd rather get almost to the top and fail mm. than to have got well over the top and down the other side and gone. Well, that was easy, and I didn't really sort of actually gain anything from it. So, well, like the old two three nine one. When I got that, I, I knew it was such a hard course to attain, like the old two four hundred, the design course. And when I got them, I was just so made up. But I, I had an awareness when I was doing the assessments that I was good enough to pass it, which was, for me, far more important than an exam. I didn't really care for the exams, to be honest with you. It yeah. was more actually was, having got through the brilliant learning. I was the same with the 239120, which is the the old 2396, the design course. I, I didn't really need to achieve the qualification, but I wanted the opportunity to try the exam. So I sat the exam. I didn't do the project because uh, I didn't need the qualification. I sat the exam. I nearly ran out of room in the exam paper. <laughs> two of the questions were... I remember in, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two of the questions were incorrectly written, and I actually said to the examiner in the paper, well, if you meant this, it's this way. If you meant this, it's this way. Um, <laughs> I got a distinction. I got my piece of paper that says, you've done a distinction in that unit. Go and get the rest. I went, no, nah, that's enough, thanks. <laughs> I've proved my point. Yeah. I've proved my <laughs> okay. point. But, the, so, yeah, yeah. but then, I, then I thought, well, how could that be better? And, you know, and it needs to be a bit better. We need to always have places to go further. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I do. I, I, I'm, I'm the first to admit it. Um, unlike you two guys, I can't, I can't roll off um, regulation numbers. I, I do struggle, struggle academically with, with things I being know. described in a paragraph. If it's put in front of me, I've got a lot more of a chance in sorting a problem out mm. or designing something than I have if it's all been written in plain English. <laughs> yeah. But the key, the key thing is you have the ability to actually reference the resource and you have the skills yes. to use. Yeah. And, I, and I'm also and that's what, you know, that's slow, what you know. slow at that, but I'd rather, I'd rather peel it all back and just rework it try even down to things like voltage drops and, and stuff. Yeah. I will, I will do it time and time again or, so I, yeah. I have always had people when they've come up to me and they've said, I, I've maybe gone off on a bit of a tangent in a meeting. And then afterwards, someone's gone, how did you know all that? And I've gone, well, I don't because I don't. For me, the most important step in competence and knowledge is understanding where to go and get the knowledge. Yes. It's like for me, I don't I don't have the encyclopedic knowledge of standards that Paul Skirm has. However, I know the standards exist. I know the directives exist. That's... If someone asks me a question, I'm yeah. on it straight away. And within five, ten minutes of reading, I've got the answer. I've formulated a way of transposing the written word into the the context of what I'm being questioned or what I need to do. And, and, that's, and that's, that's all you need to be a competent person. All you yeah. need to have is competence, the technical knowledge and experience relative to the nature of the work. And that yes. means do the reading days before the work. Yep. So when I do training, you know, p- there are people who do training and they train one subject only, path testing only, regs I, only. Um, That's, I mean, uh, that that to me, that just, I would just turn my head, my brain off, and there's no point. So I want to do one subject, then another, then another. And I always want to try to learn new subjects, new things. You've got to push your boundaries. And when, I, and when I go to deliver another course. I look at the presentation, then I look at the reference material, and that's how I remember things like HSG85, HSR25, because I keep going there. Doesn't mean I know the content of them, but it means I know where they are. 
when the I reason I know it is because you constantly mention it to us. <laughs> and I, the first time I hear it, I yeah. go, what's he talking about? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That thing I remembered yeah. 10 years ago, and I better remember yeah. the name now. Otherwise, Dave's going to think I'm a dick <laughs> if, I, if I don't know That's what he... That's the point. Um... Competent people don't need to know all this information. They just need to have confidence in where to find the information, yeah. to be able to read it, interpret it, apply it to their work and their requirement, and then stand well, by You know it. what my task, I always set for an apprentice is, um, and that is I always say to people... Um, you don't need to memorise the wiring regulations. By the way, if someone is not unzipping their flies as we speak. No. Realize how sensitive his mic is. He's actually opening his bag. I'm opening my bag to check there because is. I actually have got There's part no... of my talker is a actual mobile library. And I have got one, no... two, three, four, on. five, six, seven. I've got seven books that I permanently carry around with me yeah. in order to reference. So I have always said to, to learners and people in college, the, the, it, the regs is quite overwhelming. The AWR can be overwhelming. Yeah. What I've always said is the six pages that is chapter 13, if you read that multiple times, uh, say five times, read it you know, over a period of a couple of days, read it multiple times, then go and read the electricity work regs and try and map each regulation number to what they believe is an electricity at work regulation, they will immediately understand that hierarchical link. Right. Yeah, they will do it. They will understand it. So immediately they'll go. But if that's not right, that's breaching regulation eight, earthing and ponding, which is statutory. They'll immediately understand and it arms them to the teeth straight away. Well, do you know, we're going to have to do a YouTube video one day, Paul, where I'll read out the regulations from chapter 13 and you'll be going through HSR 25. There it is. There <laughs> we'll it is. That. There it is. We'll do a podcast on that. We'll do bang, a bang, bang, bang. It's a great example. It's a great example. It's the best. It's the best tool. I, I gave it to a young lad who was a third or fourth generation spark. And he was with me on work experience. I went, oh, right, here you go. Just try this. And he was just on it. Just yeah. on it. In fairness, it was sparking was in his blood. He's now, I think he's a third year apprentice, maybe fourth year with Tommy Clarks. So, yeah, he's, he's very lucky in that respect. So um, before we kind of wind this up, because this is going to be a bit of a short one tonight. Um, how do oh, I'm going to ask you two questions. Um, very lean answers, please. What state do you see the industry in, and what measures do you think we could take to improve it? Um, it's currently in a bit of a state of flux. I think is is the best way of of, of putting words. it. Um, you know, some some areas are on the decline and are becoming uh, what's the word? Um, they don't sort of have any substance. Don't have any worth. Um, latest this week, I noticed that a uh, catalog tool company is now selling EV chargers. Yeah. Um, where you know that kind of uh, that that makes me feel undermined. Well, it makes the last two years and the whole rewriting of Chapter Seven Two Two and Amendment One. Yeah, I've just bought know. one. No, I'm not joking. You know, all, <laughs> but, all, all, all those, all those CPD articles, all that information, all that, all that backwards and forwards, and then someone can still go and buy their own. It's the industry is no gatekeepers. These these yeah. companies, these catalog companies, should be banned from selling all of these materials to them. I think that's one thing everybody in the electrical industry, I think, I think would every, agree with. Yeah, every every yeah. electrician what's industry to improve would probably agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's 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 no different from when I was you know on 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 the in the tools and fixings it's mm. no different from the manufacturer going straight to the general public and you get completely cut out yeah that's that that's greed that's, isn't it yeah that's yeah yeah and uh, you know everybody's got to earn a living it's it's not about 
you know, don't I haven't but got if, a Ferrari if, on the drive. And but if the manufacturers know. supported the electricians better, they would earn a fantastic living. It's just greed. I mean, yeah. I we know we know there are sparks who will buy certain. I'm not. I'm, I'll be very careful what I say here. But there are certain wholesalers that will sell certain products. Um, for ridiculously inflated prices. Dave knows what I'm talking about. I know about. what you're talking about, and I agree. Um, I mean, stuff that should cost a spark eight, nine quid, basically, they'll end up paying yeah, 40 basically pounds for. Yes. Beyond the yeah. RRP that the manufacturer originally says to sell them. Yeah. And the and the original manufacturer then sits there and gets a bad reputation and gets very yeah. frustrated because of the greed of massive multinational wholesalers, you scumbags, yes. you. <laughs> yeah, who who when you go to one branch for materials, oh. uh, when you're when you're far oh. from home, and uh, I completed a job and I came back to my local branch, they refused to take them in and give me credit for the returns. Love so, company. Uh, and I said, but you're all the same. Yeah, but you didn't get them from this branch. Yeah, because they, they've, they've divided them up now. They're competing against each other to be the best branch. Well, this is it. It's all disgraceful. I'm probably going to say the wrong thing, but it feels like the 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 bigger ones are like um, estate agents of the eighties. It's all mm. uh, fancy haircuts, wide awake shirts, um, targets, bonuses, holidays, so golf so trips. So you've been to CEF Live then. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, never said, I didn't say those letters <laughs> i remember when i was when i was on the tools i remember when i lived in um bracknell and Berkshire at the time i came across a nice little small wholesaler a little pro a little uh little small ones one scale one in wokenham right near the train station and it was right when part p had come out and we started talking about fire rated light fittings mm-hmm. you know and he found that he sourced this light fitting it always honored that price even when the actual price was going up. He kept it at that price, and he'd always tell me about potential inflation or potential things going up. But weeks ahead of that, uh, it took six months of that, I looked at. I had accounts with um, Grants or AC Electrical, which then became the Electric Center, which is now now that it's a different name. They keep changing. Same one center, but they keep changing. There was Cities uh, Edmondson. I just I just kind of stopped using them. Yeah, I kept the yeah. accounts open just for those essentials. For example, I'd use Electric Center because the guy there could get. This is back when MK was pretty credible. When it was good, uh, he could yeah. get MK the next day. Whilst a lot of other places, oh, we have to be next Monday. Yeah, you know, the different wholesalers that. can get you stock at different rates. And then yes, you start, yeah. you start to use one wholesaler because he gets you this bit quicker, and then this wholesaler gives you this, and you just you end up juggling wholesalers. You do, yeah. Uh, for one order, you're doing for a one for one order. You start I'll get this from this, this from this, and uh, which then eats into your time, which eats into exactly. your profit, which then causes yeah. you to be chained to the desk. Yeah. In order to to facilitate oh. one job, <laughs> and then you've got multiple channels for multiple supplies coming in, and it's a nightmare. I've, I use a I use an independent in Howsham who are very good, get me exactly what I need to do. Um, they run delivery vans, and mm. I probably could get things cheaper elsewhere, but it's not. I'm not. It's looking not about at that. all the time for you, though, is no. it? It's about no. the work. It's about. It's the actual I'm management. a big fan of. De- uh, developing relationships and, and loyalty as well, yeah, um, especially with local wholesalers as well, the ones that really, you know, family businesses. I, I don't mind using the Edmondsons, the CEFs, the WFs, and all the rest of it. Um, but and and we've got such a choice now. But I'm still a fan of having friendships and all. I mean, I used to use Eddies and WFs a lot. CEF, I would use them only when I needed to because they were so expensive. Yeah, yeah. Um, and not only that, it, you do get. They do cast you a line to hook you in, yes, they do. Um, on on hollow promises. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, it'll be here tomorrow. It'll be here the day after, three days after that. Where's my bits? Oh, well, you know, we had a problem. Look, I don't need the backstory. I don't need that's the problem. Not, yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's, yeah. And it's not my, it's hey, now my, a... it is now my problem because I've got a job to do. Yep. But, um, I agree. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's... have the integrity to fulfill your promises or, or yeah. the business. Yeah. So I'd um... rather pay, you know, I'd rather pay another 20% somewhere else and actually have it on my van to do the job. Mm. So. Um, yeah, it is. I think, do you know what? I'm not being funny, Dave, but I think we could probably do another podcast just on the state of wholesaler arrangements and wholesaler <laughs> relationships. No, because you've just literally just sat. I've just thought, do you know what? We actually could do an entire podcast talking about our experiences of wholesalers or maybe, maybe and it's Dave, evolving. why don't, we, I mean, we, we, why don't we get a wholesaler? Yeah. So if anyone listening works for a wholesalers, good idea, please good feel idea. Free to get in touch, info at e5group.org.uk, and you're more than welcome to come on. We promise we will be gentle, and if we get one on, we should always balance it up by getting another on as well so that we can allow others to tell their tales and and talk about what service they provide and their values and all the rest of it. Um, so, yeah, I think that might be good. Um, what? How do you think, if, if you were given three wishes to fix the industry, okay, you can't use one wish to say the industry is perfect in every way. But if you had three wishes where they would come true, what would you do to improve? The, what would you use them for to improve the industry? Um, I would like a lot more clarity, a lot clarity. more clarity yep. with regards to who is actually not in charge. Well, not, yeah, not who is in charge, but a, 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 a chain of command um, as to actually you where mean, we is are. Is our industry actually regulated? Yeah, where where yeah, do I, where no? <laughs> I'll tell you now. But so you, where, you think where, also communication with the clarity, you know, that that kind of. Yeah, where where am I in the pecking order? I can right. call myself an electrician. Others may disagree and say that you, you can't call yourself an electrician unless you've done X, Y, and Z. Everybody yeah. is everybody is entitled to their own opinions. Um, I I freely post my work on Twitter for comment. Um, do and allow comment i've been pulled up on a couple of bits and i fully take that on board i'm not you know i can't do absolutely everything a hundred percent although that's what i strive to do um and uh, yeah it would be nice to know what rung of the ladder we are on okay who's on what, so... who's on what rungs because it would give you more that's, respect that's... for the industry Right, so that's your first wish then. Where 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 are we in where we sit within the industry? That's your first one. What what's your second and third wish for this industry? Um for it to be a happier place. <laughs> Good one. Love it. For, free for, hugs, by the way. I offer yeah. free hugs to everyone I meet, just to be clear. And yes, take my hand yes, I think they were Yes, I've I've heard this. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'd I'd like it. I'd like it for to be a to be a happier place um but i do going not getting too heavy i do understand that there are a lot of issues so um uh, um, loan working is a is a big issue um especially when you're under pressure to earn money for to survive to live to keep your keep a roof over your head but then You've got a big set of regulations gnawing the back of your head going, mm. oh, it's got to be done like this. It's got to be done like that. So the, the, the pressures are immense um, to do a proper job. 
Um, and you know, loan working is is gives you time to ponder, question. Um, it can be a very lonely place, um, and yeah, it, it, it can be a, as your as your previous podcast. It can be a dark place at times. Oh, yeah. um, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but um, I, I witnessed a suicide on the railway, which kind of strengthened as a trainee, and that kind of strengthened me up no end. But yeah. it's still there, um, mm. and no, those sorts of things. But it, it, it's yeah. character building. Um, yeah. Everybody's got everybody's got um, issues. I just think in today's society, there's a lot of pressure. It was a lot nicer <laughs> when there wasn't social media, when there wasn't yeah, mobile yeah, phones. For me, when there was no mobile phones, you left, the, you went out to work, you shut the door, and you went to work. You did your job. You came home and. It was great. Oh, it was less good. less distractions. Yeah, and yeah. that's 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 in all all areas of industries, yes, all cultures. I mean, I've got yeah. I've got I've got you know I've got four boys growing up, and I say to my wife, you know, I'm petrified of the behaviours on the internet these days. You know, ap- applications yeah. like TikTok and these things, which yeah. you know, g- you know, p- kids are taking those things to school and they're taking videos of themselves, and a lot of kids and p- young adults now they determine their success on their likes or their comments and you know a lot of people grade themselves um and there's a lot of abuse and a lot of bullying and i i, I agree yeah, it, i think it's, social it's, media is it's, it's dangerous to, to to mental health it really social, is yeah, um, and, uh, um not being sexist whatsoever but i i have an appreciation for the um the, the young girls that the pressure that's put on them to look a certain way um, and I think I think the the the, the trade is a, is a similar thing where we've we're deemed to to have to work in a certain way, um, and the, and the pressures there are immense to conform, especially if you interact on social media. Yeah. So yeah, I wanted to be a happier, happier, more okay. engaging place, more. So your last less, less your angst. last wish. <laughs> your last wish. Um, what would it be for our industry? A happier place, without a doubt. I completely agree with you in every way, shape. Like, I wish different parts of our trade would just stop bitching. And and I also, uh, really? what resonates with me, what you've just said as well, is the guy working by himself who's desperately trying to pay his bills. Uh, and one of the reasons why we keep doing these podcasts is, is the old formula I use with colleges is the more you learn, the more you earn. Because I remember being in houses doing up YNS plans that was actually a W plan, thinking, how do I figure this out? And the more I applied myself to learning, the less stressed I was. The less stressed I was, the more confident I became. And when I came to those complex challenges, I was able to work my way around them without living on a job till 11 o'clock in someone's i mean i i remember when i was first doing domestic i was literally sat in people's houses till 10 o'clock at night trying to oh absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff and do stuff having yeah. dinner with them for crying out loud yeah. but yeah. moving on third wish and third and final wish and then we'll, we'll, we'll wind this up um well okay yeah uh, uh some value some i think electricians are undervalued Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think we're very un- undervalued as a as a yeah. as a as a trade. On a, I, I was speaking to a friend of mine the other day, and um, he told me how much the plasterer was charging. 
Yeah. Now, if I if I charged the if I charged what the plaster was charging, let alone over and above what he was charging, I'd be laughed out the door because the worst, all the customer sees is a, is a £2.95 socket on the wall. And the worst <laughs> thing is, is they're deemed a skilled trade, like Tyler's. My mate owns an electrical contracting company and he had an agency ring him up to offer labour and they were offering Tyler's more money than Sparks. Yeah. And yet we're supposed to be the scientists on site dealing with that that PVC prison with those electrons desperately trying to get out yeah, and kill absolutely. people. Yeah, absolutely. And yet... Oh, I don't know. The problem, probably, again, this goes this goes back to the whole purpose of why I started my little journey before I got into E5 with Spark and Ninja. You know, trying to <laughs> trying trying <clears throat> trying to inspire electricians to respect themselves, to build themselves up, leveling up. The idea being, we don't have to be where industry says we need to be. We've got a lot of people telling us you don't need to do that, you don't need to learn that, you don't need to try that, you don't need to do that anymore, or whatever. And we need to just, you know start standing up taller than we have been yeah and there's been too much i mean I, i've said it in previous podcasts people being authorized into our industry are not being properly controlled not being properly uh, quality checked and we have too many people in this industry that do not achieve the same level of quality uh and just don't have the same level of respect for themselves because they don't yep. see the value you come come to the word value you've just mentioned yeah they don't value themselves the same way that someone who's done a four-year apprenticeship at an onc would uh, is that is that because um, they've taken a different? It's, it's, no, it's not. It's not. Is that because yeah. I f- I feel it's yeah. because they've taken a different, maybe an academic route, and then all of a sudden they're a manager within an organisation, and they don't have the skill set well, and the understanding of the graft that's I, put I in. I think it's different. Uh, the horses, coalface. different courses, and and you're, you're limited by your own experiences and what you've been taught in the first place. When I was an apprentice and people were going back to the banter stuff, when people were having banter with me, they were using banter about with terms and stories and phrases of stuff that I had no real knowledge of in society. Mm. Never mind references to people I'd never been educated on. So I would sit there just feeling like a dumb idiot, not understanding any of the context of mm. what was being, you know, the piss taken out of me. I didn't understand it at all. No. And that's just part of the journey of growth and development, I think. I've put that down. A lot of the time with that old with that older rhetoric though, we'd still have the senior guys on the site, we'd have the clerk of the works, we'd have the bosses, we'd have the governors. We'd know that there was a level and we know that we can maybe get there one day. But many sites these days, that's a bit of management that maybe with the Peter principle doesn't actually know the competence that is required by them on the field. So that person doesn't have the technical competence to then overlook you and shadow you to inspire you to climb a ladder. That's it. You yeah, find yourself yeah. the most confident person on site being treated like crap. Yeah, yeah, and you can't. You know, you, there's no way of trying to better yourself if them mm. above you won't won't allow it or endorse it. Yeah. Um, right, chaps. Um, we're near the hour mark, so I'm going to wind this up now. Um, Chris, I, I think if if you'll have us, we'd like to have you back maybe to discuss more because I think we've only scratched the surface on yeah, some no, of the, a couple of things down. The debate that we can we can talk about so much more, and I think we need to give you more time on, on another evening if that's okay with you, sir. No, absolutely, it'd be my it'd be my pleasure, and I'm, I'm awesome. grateful for you know I'm grateful and humbled by you asking me to to do it. Could be quite no, honest. I don't I don't take praise. Um, don't take praise well as i've been told in the past but it's a it's a pleasure to have spoken to you neither do i trust me um it's to me it's the mark of humble people which is good people um dudes thank you very much uh, i think we'll end this with the yeah. uh, usual thing so f- thank you chris um please follow Cheers, him chris. electrical juice on twitter and uh, dave as always love you 
um, in the way a man should love a man, obviously. And um, until the next one, take care of yourself and each other. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.